Chapter 9, The Right Word As Dave sat down at the lunch table with his friends, he couldn't get the grin off of his face. He was having so much fun he could hardly chew his first bite of grilled cheese. And he didn't like chewing right now because chewing made noise, and when he munched he could hear the silence. The silence. Dave thought it was amazing. And watching Mrs. Hyatt try to figure out what was going on, that was amazing too. It was like they had trapped her in a force field and she couldn't get out of it because the silence filled the cafeteria. Dave looked around and he saw the same amazement on the faces of some of the other kids. They were all thinking the same thing together. Then suddenly, hey, give it back. There was a gasp as every boy and girl in the room sucked in a breath and all heads turned to see who those words had come from. And there at the ice cream freezer, Ed Ed Kesey had one hand over his mouth and the other hand reached for a cherry popsicle that Brian Del Greco had had grabbed. Dave swung around and looked at Lindsay. Lindsay knew a lot of kids were watching her, but she pretended not to notice. She slowly reached into her back pocket, slowly pulled out a pen and a small red notebook, slowly opened the cover, and slowly made four little marks on the first page. And then she flipped the notebook shut. Lindsay looked right at Dave and gave him a big smile. Just like that, the girls were ahead by four four points. But Dave wasn't worried. The contest had barely begun. There were two whole days to, to go. Dave was absolutely sure that the next 48 hours were going to be very interesting. And he thought, is that the right word? How about fascinating? No more like exciting. Yeah, exciting. Then Dave happened to glance at Miss Hyatt, and he could tell from the look on the principal's face that she had been watching everything, the way Ed had shouted those words and then covered his mouth, the way the other kids had reacted, the way Lindsay had marked in her notebook. And that exact moment, the principal turned and locked eyes with Dave. She stared right at him with her eyebrows all bunched up on a puzzled knot. Dave quickly looked down at his lunch tray, and as he did, a new word popped into his mind. And he was pretty sure this one was going to be a good word to describe the next few days. Dangerous. Chapter 10, Recess. Mrs. Marlowe was a fifth grade science teacher, and it was her, her day for outdoor recess duty. As she was gulping down a quick lunch in the teacher's room, Mr. Lipton, the custodian, stuck his head in the door and said, Anybody want to see a miracle? Go check out the cafeteria. The fifth graders aren't talking today, not even whispering. It's like a funeral in there. But Mrs. Marlowe didn't have a moment to spare. She finished her lunch, grabbed her coat, and hurried outside to the playground through the gym. Even though, even without the heads up from the custodian, it wouldn't take her long to figure out that something was different outside at recess today. Every teacher knows the sound of a normal, happy playground at lunchtime. Kids talking and yelling and chasing and all the arguments about who's it and who's out and who ran faster. Not today. Mrs. Marlowe could tell that a whole layer of spoken sound was missing. Gone. Absent. Except not completely. Because the kids did make some slip-ups during their first wordless recess. Allie Bedford got caught whispering to Lena Henderson by the swing set. And when a group of boys stood and shook their fingers at her, she held up eight fingers to show how many illegal words she had said. Christina Farley didn't have to confess, because half the kids on the playground heard exactly what she said, loud and clear. She stomped her feet, stuck her tongue out at Rachel Morgan, and then shouted, You're a terrible friend, and you lie, and you're selfish, and I don't care how many words this is, and you're mean, too, which was 23 words. Christina's goof, plus the eight words Allie whispered, meant that Dave got to record 31 points against the girls in his official score sheet, which wasn't, a, wasn't a, as fancy as Lindsay's red notebook, just a couple of folded index cards stuffed into his pocket. But the boys weren't perfect either. Scott Vickers booted a kip, kickball down the third baseline, and when two boys made the foul ball motion, he yelled, foul? 
Are you crazy? No way. That ball was fair. And Scott would have kept on yelling, but Bill Harkness tackled him and clamped a hand over his mouth, which Scott bit, but not hard enough to make Bill yell any words. The incident cost the boys 10 points. And then there was the first case of trickery. Katie Edison snuck up behind Jeremy Stevens, who was standing by the the sliding board, tapped him on the shoulder, and when he turned his head, she gave him a big, noisy kiss on the cheek. Jeremy howled and wiped his face and flew into a fit of cootieitis. Ew, yuck, why did you do that? That was so gross. Yuck, help me get this stuff off my face. Which was 20 more points for the girls. Plus, Katie actually enjoyed her sneak attack. She'd had a top-secret crush on Jeremy for two months. Even though there were only a few word blasts, it certainly wasn't quiet out there, and it got noisier and noisier as the end of recess got closer. That's because everyone began to realize that this was not a contest to see who could be silent. It was just about not talking. Sounds were allowed as long as they weren't words. Dave was near the door of the gym and began whistling. He was instantly joined by four other boys. They whistled every song they could think of. Row, row, row your boat. Now I know my ABCs. London Bridge is falling down. Barney's marching song. The Star Wars theme song. Old MacDonald had a farm. I've been working on the railroad. Rubber Ducky and on and on. The whistling was mostly off-key, but it was a grand performance anyway, with lots of clapping and hooting between tunes. Somewhere near the middle of the whistling concert, six or seven girls began screaming. These were not the kind of screams that make grown-ups come running. They were just an ugly assortment of squeals and yelps and shrieks that everyone else found very annoying. Spaced out on the edge of the playground, the girls bounced their high-pitched sounds around like a beach ball on the baseball stadium. Yow! Owie! Woo! yee And they made lots of noises, but they weren't talking. Some of the other girls were jumping double dutch, and since they couldn't chant the rhymes, the kids who were jumping or turning the ropes clapped out the rhythm of the words with their hands. The quietest activity involved four girls who had a printed folder that showed how to use the American how to use American Sign Language. They sat in a circle in the ground and practiced their hand signals. And to round out the soundscape, Bradley Lang and Tyler Rennert were cruising around in the playground, bothering as many girls as possible while making all sorts of mouth sounds. Clicks, pops, roars, quacks, barks, burps, and especially those loud bathroom noises creating by putting two palm, putting the palms of both hands over the mouth, puffing up the cheeks, and blooping out a blast of air. Mrs. Marlowe could see there was plenty of activity, but those high-pitched playground voices, all the buzz and chatter and calling out, all that was definitely missing. There was no mistaking it. These kids were not talking, which would have been unusual for any bunch of students. For this group of kids, the custodian had called it right. It was practically a miracle. But why? There had to be a reason they were all acting this way. And a science-minded person, Mrs. Marlowe was curious. So she stood thinking. So as she stood thinking, Mrs. Marlowe began to adjust her afternoon lesson plan. Because about 10 minutes, 26 of the fifth graders would be sitting in her room ready for science class. And there was nothing Mrs. Marlowe liked better than a good experiment. All right. Talk to you all tomorrow. Bye.